Welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. Man, it has been, what, maybe two weeks since I got to talk to everybody out in the field. Hopefully you're doing well. I know that our friends up in Vermont are uh, definitely underwater right now. So hopefully all those who are responding can help out the communities there and they can have a speedy recovery. But it's looking like it's going to be worse than 2011, the storms that uh, really impacted the communities up in Vermont. So to Zach Borst with EM Weekly all the way through all the other communities, uh, Erica Borderman from uh, Vermont as well. So uh, we're thinking of you and uh, hope uh, um, you can um, operate quickly. So uh, we have about 30 announcements I'm going to try to get through, but one of which I'm very excited for and very honored to be a part of. In fact, it includes Zach Borst as well. Zach and I uh, will be on a webinar. So make sure you put this on your calendar. Webinar on August 1st. We will be on the L3 Harris webinar. And we're going to be talking about a new kind of hurricane responder. And so really what that conversation is going to be about is emerging technologies and uh, being at the forefront, interoperability, getting out there with uh, integration between emergency management and responders, really the urban search and rescue perspective. You know, if you know Zach, Zach has a background as um, a USAR member up with Vermont. So he's probably deploying right now. Uh, but his perspective and with my perspective doing a type one disaster responses, we really want to help build the field and in interoperability and talking about how technologies can support emergency managers as they are working across emergency support functions, specifically number nine with USAR. So what we're talking about from there uh, will really help you out. So make sure that when L3 Harris goes live with the link, we will put it on the Disaster Tough uh, podcast, uh, social media pages. We'll put it up on the Readiness Lab website. And so make sure that you sign up for that. It's a free webinar. And uh, I think it should be a, a really wonderful conversation. And again, very honored. Thank you, L3 Harris, uh, for inviting Zach and I to be on that webinar. So... Uh, with that, uh, the next one, next big update we have is dynamic populations. We've been talking about this at nauseum. We're so excited about it. Um, it is going to be August 29th through 31st in St. Louis, my town. So go cards. So we're really excited for that. And uh, we'll be in Bush Stadium for our exercise against a Seaburn counterterrorism exercise. However, we don't want you to overly emphasize the scenario because this is really a crisis leadership again interoperability because we're so passionate about interoperability uh training and certification so first two days are going to be at the embassy suites with us at the hotel and then uh the third day will be at the cardinal stadium for the exercise our night extra uh, night events are going to include a cardinals baseball game so we'll meet with the head of security phil so shout out phil uh with bush stadium and then um, the next night we'll go to Top Golf. That's kind of like our social event, but allows you to uh, get out and really meet with the mentor instructors and get to know them, especially because they could be crossing the pond. Uh, big shout out to Steve Johnson. He'll be coming over from the UK. So that'll be our opportunity to meet with them. And then the third day after the exercise, we're going to have a banquet on the field. So it should be really fun. We're going to have a good time. And uh, maybe Fred Bird will show up. Who knows? I know that my kids would love that. So either way, <clears throat> make sure you sign up for Dynamic Populations. <clears throat> we will uh, continue to put it on the links. And if you've been following the Readiness Lab social media accounts or the reshares by Disaster Tough Podcast, you should see that 
of course. But make sure you sign up for emergency management response for dynamic populations, i.e. DIPOP. You'll have a good time there. So uh, let's see what other announcements. I was at the Sports Security Conference last week of June. Have a lot of updates on that. And then, of course, July 4th, uh, you know, uh, happy Independence Day, the whole deal for America. And uh, that was a wonderful um, holiday. Hopefully it was a holiday for you guys as well. But because of that, because of all the travel and everything else going on, I basically took two weeks off. So I'm going to jump back on here now with this episode and hopefully um, add some additional content to catch back up because we do like having 52 episodes by the end of the year. It's kind of a, you know, a feather in the hat kind of thing. So the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at l3harris.com right now. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at dobermanemg.com today. The Readiness Lab is trailblazing disaster readiness. Early access for the highly anticipated course, Emergency Management Response for Dynamic Populations is currently live. Space is limited to 40. Go to thereadinesslab.com forward slash training to learn more. What's really fascinating about the Sports Security Conference is how many of the presenters talked about coordination and collaboration. And I even put something out on LinkedIn talking about that. It's like, who knew that there's this, an entire field out there that could do coordination collaboration for these security professionals that are hired to uh, watch over these stadiums. Now, they have a very specific focus, physical security, stopping potential incidents if an incident does happen, you know, threat mitigation, that whole deal. But there's all the other parts, right? And this is why we talk about dynamic populations. This is why we have these kind of conversations about interoperability. And it was a lot of fun. I got to give a hat off to, uh, you know, NCS4 who puts that off, puts that on. Um, but also for the professionals that I met, almost every single person that I met, when I told them that I was an emergency manager, they were excited. They looked at me as a counterpart. They were asking questions. I told them about who we were a little bit. I gave out several challenge coins that helped uh, grease the wheels a little bit, if you will. But um basically everybody looked at me and Jake who came with me as somebody else who could support them in their operations. And so there was a lot of conversation and behind that and it's all about command and control. They have to do that for their job. But again, that doesn't really translate for emergency management. However, the individuals who are representing these stadiums and venues and universities, like I said, the majority of the people I met were genuinely excited and wanted to have those conversations and I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed and had to uh, re retract or redact some of the comments I've made about security professionals because, honestly, uh, I was wrong. And uh, it was, I, I was excited to be wrong. You know, we had this episode, gosh, maybe three years ago, where I talked about how emergency managers want to be wrong. Like, we don't want the hurricane to hit your house, right? Like, we hope the weather report is going to say, you know, that it was going in one direction, all of a sudden it's going to back out to the water, right? In this case, I was, again, pleasantly surprised, and I'm so excited to go back to NCS4 next year. So if you're in either security or you want to learn more about stadiums or 
you think you're an emergency manager who could really support out that space, highly, highly suggest that you go to NCS4. Um, the next update, um, July 4th. So on July 4th weekend, there um, was, like my town, like standard parade, a lot of security and a lot of uh, first responders on site. Um, I think that was uh, for a lot of reasons, but it's also kind of like disheartening a little bit, right? And I saw a post on social media that talked about uh, this person just basically gave the data of like, hey, what do you do with active shooters or what do you do with um, these crowds who will react to a potential threat, even if the threat is not real? And I saw comment after comment after comment talking about like, well, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to live my life. It doesn't matter if the threat's not real and people reacting to it, they're dumb, right? Like that's basically like the sentiment of a lot of the comments. And I would politely disagree. If we are living in an environment where a crowd could easily spark into a stampede or if people are, are afraid, then we have this issue. We have this issue that even if it's not real, if it's a firework or something else, or just somebody playing a prank, unfortunately, and an entire crowd reacting to that immediately, we are living in a dangerous, dangerous precedent where um, there is uh, too much situational awareness. We, we call that like overstimulated situational awareness or hyper situational awareness. And that's ironically not being very situationally aware. And uh, the reality is that we need to get everybody to cool down a little bit and be able to have a positive experience and not be so afraid. And so if something does go boom, they not, not react out of fear or not react out of um, assuming something bad's going to happen. But we also don't want them to hesitate either. We want them just to be cognitive of what's going on and just be like, oh, that was a firework or that was a car backfiring. Um, versus if something does happen, then they can uh, take action and go. And so in reviewing like that, um, unfortunately, Baltimore and Philadelphia both experienced mass shootings um, during the July 4th weekend. And uh, there have been incidents where crowds just take off at the slightest um, incident and people have gotten hurt by that. I talked about Penn State one time um, with uh, that happening at a stadium where nothing really bad happened. And then there was a stampede because of miscommunication. Um, when reviewing that, the conclusion I came to, and I don't really want to make this about me too much, um, is we have an issue with hope. Hope, a lack of hope being the root cause. We have to show exponential amount of law enforcement on scene and ambulances and firefighters on standby for people to start feeling safe. We think it's really cool in emergency management, and even me, uh, when we go to a baseball game and we see, you know, hey, there's a video about evacuations. I actually am really impressed by that. And so there's lots of things that we're doing to help people artificially create hope. Also, there's the, the logistics of evacuation, and we do want to uh, promote that, obviously. But um, there is um, a reality that we are trying to calm people down before there's even an incident. And I don't really have an answer for that, at least not on this podcast, but I would consider uh, thinking about your traditional forms of communication 
and really reviewing if they're actually effective. You know, when we put out the posters and we put out all that communication, is it really getting to the crowd? Is it getting to the individual, that family to change a cultural mindset that everything is okay? And right now, I don't think there's a lot of people who will think everything is okay. Now, you don't want to be uh, naive. Like things always happen, sure. Um, but either way, like we need to, we need to think about root causes and not just symptoms. And so that's, that's what, uh, I would think about when I think about crowd management and what's going on. Um, that's what my thoughts were on July 4th. Funny enough, July 4th is also a phenomenal time to think about the word. And it's going to be kind of funny to maybe to some people. And the title of this podcast probably is compromise. Compromise is a funny word because compromise in the right setting can be fantastic. There probably should be a lot more compromise in uh, political arguments. There should be a lot more compromise uh, when looking at things that um, when you're talking about two opinions on maybe food or whatever. But there are certain things that you should never compromise. And that is what I think about when I think about July 4th is what are the things that you should compromise and what are the things that you should never compromise? And, um, I've been, I've been having a hard knocks version of, uh, what that means, um, in the private sector. I have been naive, um, in assuming that everybody has good intentions and quite frankly, I'm going to choose to continue to enforce that mentality because I want the best from people. And I hope that if I treat people with respect, they'll treat me with respect. And I got to take each person at face value. However, what, I've, what has been surprising to me is not the fact that people do compromise their values. It's how easily they compromise their values. I have seen, some, seen people that I just thought were you know, the best and they're sellouts like so fast too. Like, I think they were pretty good people, and I think there's still elements of that, sure. But um, for this little thing or for a little of that thing, they, they'll compromise all their integrity and all their values. And I've seen other people who, um, you know, my entire team thought they were just the world. We we wanted to hang out with them a lot, and unfortunately, um, they made horribly, horribly stupid decisions based off of what I can only imagine is greed and what I can only imagine is pride. And, um, it's turning into like, you, you see people just make, it's like the, the analogy at, uh, Best Buy, Best Buy does this great hiring practice, um, where they will ask new hires or before they get hired. If you see somebody stealing a candy bar, um, let's somebody who works at Best Buy. If you see somebody at Best Buy who works at Best Buy stealing a candy bar, what do you think the um, the punishment should be? And there's a right answer, and then there's a lot of really nice but wrong answers. And when I first heard the answer, I was honestly like a little disappointed because I'm a person who believes in forgiveness. But the reality is um, you don't know how many times they did that before. At the same time, the the problem set remains that like, why would you, why would you throw away your integrity for a candy bar? Right now there might be root causes way back there. There might be a, a string of events. Sure. Um, and that, 
that's the problem with the candy bar analogy because you don't know if they've done something in the past or not. But even if it's their first time, why would you compromise, compromise your integrity? And so when I think about compromise and emergency management, and you're dealing with, well, well like me, you're dealing with the private sector or people who uh, want to get in the private sector. And even if they have the best intentions, I feel like sometimes they compromise on really stupid things. If you do make a mistake and, you, and you've had make those mistakes in the past, we, we all are full of mistakes. The easiest and fastest thing to do, it might feel most difficult, but it's actually the easiest, is to apologize and to set things right. And I think you'd be shocked of how fast people are willing to um, begin to trust you again. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the message there. But when it comes to emergency management, sometimes on the flip side, let's not, let's uh, like avoiding the integrity part of that. The, the compromises that we make in emergency management in order to get a seat at the table sometimes, likewise, are ridiculous. Like how many times have we said, oh, that's really not a great idea or that's kind of a, that's kind of dangerous or uh, I don't really don't think that matches what we should do from a, an emergency management perspective. And we compromise in order to appease our stakeholders and we uh, compromise in order to stay in the conver conversation or let's be real, like be, be popular within that group, that cohort. And I think when it comes down to it, we need to take a really hard look as emergency managers of has that hurt our field? Has uh, compromises uh, downgraded us when if we had taken a stance in a positive and polite way, of course, but if we'd taken a stance on the principles that we know that are are true to our field that will protect life, property, and continuity of operations through, through strategic coordination, Will that have that long game have played out better for us in the field? There are so many emergency managers who reach out to me who are dismissed. And I hear you. I feel that. I've dealt with that myself. And uh, I've talked about coming up with creative ways to overcome um, being dismissed. However, at the same time, um, when we focus so much on communication, almost like that hyper-situational awareness the hyper communication aspect is uh, has actually hurt us because we've compromised on too many things. And so my message here is don't compromise on your integrity. Don't compromise when it comes to protecting life, property, and continuity of operations. The things that you can compromise on are like, you know, should you listen to Disaster Tough this week or EM Weekly? Either one's probably pretty great. Um, but you can you can make those kind of choices. What music do you listen to when you're riding in a car? Cool. But when it comes to life-saving, life-sustaining work, absolutely never compromise and start taking a stand. And I bet you, based off of my personal experience, and now this is a data size of one, so I, I get that. Um, if the more that you refuse to compromise on things that are right and are, present, are able to learn how to present that in a positive and polite way, you'll actually gain more respect from your peers. And um, they will see you as a leader. An emergency manager should be a leader in the room. I believe that emergency managers are and should be the most intelligent, the most influential, the, the head of the table, strategic coordination, be able to see all the puzzle pieces. Now, we don't have to be a jerk about it again, right? I can't say that enough. Like, got to be nice and be cool. But at the same time, um, 
you can just politely say, Hey, no, I, this is, this is right. Like we got to follow what's right here. And, um, they'll start respecting you for that. And if they don't come work for us, maybe, I don't know. But, um, in any case, thinking about compromise and thinking about, um, all these different things that we're putting together, never compromise your integrity. Uh, don't, uh, hyper communicate. Therefore actually ruining communication. Uh, don't compromise on, um, emergency management best practice. Now, the last part I want to uh, leave with you here, here today, um, as we're trying to wrap up this um, kind of all over the place, to be honest, um, thought process that I'm going through, is um, I want to hear a lot more from the field, i.e. the Disaster Tough podcast crowd. We uh, put out social media posts all the time, and we get a lot of people liking it, and I'm so grateful for that, and we get the emails. But honestly, like, I want to hear from you when we have an episode like this, the good, the bad, and the ugly. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Like, let's create that conversation. And especially if you've figured out something in your community that works for you, I bet you, based off of the conversations I have with people all over the country, now kind of globally, is when I talk to somebody in Nova Scotia, those principles apply to Arizona. And when I talk to somebody in Washington, I, it applies to somebody in Florida. It really does. Now, the hurricanes versus the wildfires, disasters are different. Nuances and con, uh, uh, constructs are different. Sure, culture is different. But the principles of how you got this done and how you were able to be creative in that process to figure out those puzzle pieces, the lessons learned, we need to share that more. There are some uh, groups out there on social media that I've tried to do in the past, and Quite frankly, uh, they have confused communication and compromise because they think if I don't compromise, then I have to be like a jerk. And those conversations by, you know, let's be real boomers are, you know, just like always like degrade into these, uh, these like these negative things. I want to create a positive space. And if you have an idea of how to create a positive space online, I want to know about it. I want to be part of those conversations. I know there's discord channels and. I know that there's uh, subreddit groups and all this other stuff where people are having these really awesome conversations in the right way. And uh, I want to hear from you. So with that being said, this is kind of a catch-up episode, but also something to hopefully uh, make you think. And um, I would love to hear for your thoughts to, to help me think deeper about this topic. If you have experiences where your lack of compromise for best practice has helped you, and how you presented that in a positive way, I want to hear about it. Um, if you got something out of this episode, which I hope you did, uh, please like and subscribe, the whole deal. Go onto our social media and comment. Love to see those comments. And uh, quite frankly, um, if I see you at a conference coming up or a dive pop, uh, look for me. I'll give you a challenge coin, and uh, we'll take it from there. Peace.